0: Good morning, Kingdom. It's still morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Amen. I'm so glad to be here with each of you. Do we have any first-time guests in the house with us? Any first-time guests? I know we have some. Let's give our guests a round of applause. So thankful that you're here. There's a place for everyone at Kingdom. I said this during the first service, but our vision is for everyone to know Jesus hear his voice and follow him. This is why we have the words on the wall, because everything we do revolves around developing a better relationship with Jesus, learning to hear what he is speaking to us. Did you know that God wants to speak to you? Did you know I'm not the only one or whoever's on a platform or whoever is a pastor at any church? Do you know those are not the only people that God wants to use to speak to you? He wants to speak specifically to you. And so this is a huge part of our vision. And then. Once we hear what He wants to to say to us, then we respond. Do we need to do something He's asking us to do? Do we need to forgive somebody? Whatever it is, we follow Him wherever He's leading. And so we believe there's a place for everyone here, and I'm just so glad that you're all with us. I have a couple of, I just want to reiterate a couple announcements. First of all, this Friday we're having a women's event called Pink Impact. Any ladies excited for that? Amen. So, if you have not signed up, I highly encourage you to sign up. It's uh, it's going to be a night of fellowship, a night of the Word. We're going to be watching, uh, we, I say we, I'm not going to be there. Um, you guys are going to be watching several ladies and men speak on, uh, it's a simulcast, so there's a lot of other churches that are taking part in this, and um, it's just going to be an awesome night. We had our Exo simulcast, which I went to that, and... I was really encouraged to see how the Lord was speaking and moving, and so I really believe He's just going to continue that through this peak impact. So if you have not signed up, please sign up. If you have signed up, invite a friend to come with you. It's going to be awesome. Easter is two weeks away. Can y'all believe that? Two weeks away. I said this to the first crowd, but Easter is always... You know, Easter is always like like when we're into the year, and it's like okay, it's not the beginning of the year, but we're into the year, but I just I can't believe it's already here. It's in two weeks, and these first three months have flown by. We are really excited. We're adding a third service, so we're having an 8 a.m. service, a 9:30 service, and an 11:15 service. The reason we're doing that is because this service is almost at capacity every week, and we know Easter is one of the most visited Sundays of the year, and so we need to add another service. That being said, we, we're asking everybody to register for which service they're going to attend. The only reason is so that we can accommodate everybody. Um, mo- this 1115 service is going to be the most packed service regardless of how we register is because people are going to come in. So we're asking if you attend Kingdom, please do attend one of the earlier services, 8 a.m., or 9.30, that way we can make room for other people to come in. We has also have these invite cards. Um, my brother designed them. I think they're amazing. These are an awesome way to invite people to come in. I said, uh, last week I'll say it again, I don't mind how many you take as long as you pass them all out. I don't want to be walking to my car after service and see these on, on the dashboard or something. So make sure you pass them out. It's going to be awesome. Amen? Okay. We started a series last week. I said it again. We started a series earlier this month called How to Worship a King. I said that during the first service. This is actually our fourth lesson in this series. And it's a mess it's a series on worship. We are learning what worship really is. How many of y'all have listened to any of the other sermons on this series? Anybody? How many of y'all have been learning a lot about worship? So Traditionally, I have understood worship to mean music. It's the slower part of, the, of the, the music part of the service, and this is where we like just talk to the Lord. But worship is much more than that. Worship comes from the word worth It's an old English word, and it means to demonstrate uh, someone's worth or something's worth. And so we worship God by showing him how much he means to us. How do you show how anyone means to you? Women, wives, how, does your sp- how should your spouse show how much sh- uh, you mean to him? Did I hear a diamond ring? What did I hear? <laughs> Vacation? Listening? That's a good one. Um, time? You spend time with them? Guys, we are good, like... We're good being by ourselves, right? any men out there just give me my time, my space that 's why we have man caves and stuff like that we are We are good um, <laughs> money right you spend money on things and people that are valuable to you. You may not believe it, but you may husbands wives you can you can tell on your husbands anybody, any of them play golf, have a boat, love to hunt have. Too, one too many guns, right? Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to use them all at one time when the intruders come in or what? <laughs> all locked and loaded. Wait a second, hold on. Let me get my shotgun real quick. We, we demonstrate with our time, with our, our energy, our money, what is valuable to us. Worship is learning to show God that he is valuable to us. And so this is why this this, uh, series is important to us, because if we don't learn how to worship, then we won't demonstrate what he's worth to us. Last week, we started a sermon on praise, and the title of it was, What is Praise? We're going to continue. We're going to talk about praise again today and next week. I'm really excited about next week, because next week is Palm Sunday. Uh, We're going to be going through the Palm Sunday story. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people... Praised him in. They waved palm branches. Y'all know the story way palm branches. They laid their coats on the ground. Why? Because they knew a a person that was very important was coming into Jerusalem, and that was Jesus. And so, how many of you have heard the expression praise and worship? Praise and worship. Okay, we all know that. Praise is I always again I thought they were like praise is the fast part, worship is the slow part. In reality, praise. Let me give you the definition: is an expression, is an expression of approval or admiration. I'm going to tell you how it relates to worship in just a second. It's an expression of approval or admiration. When your child does something well, let's say they get an A on their test, when the the or the report card and the card before was a B or a C, and you when they get an A, what do you what do you tell them? Hey, good job! Did awesome. You give them praise. You give praise to people that you admire, respect, or someone you're wanting to encourage. This is Zach's niece definition of praise. Praise is an expression of respect or gratitude as an act of worship. uh, Praise is an expression of respect or gratitude as an act of worship. This is how they're related to each other. Worship, when we worship God, we say, God, I'm going to lay down my life for you, Um. Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual worship. This is how God sees worship. When we lay down our life, we lay down our desires, our dreams, our wants, our preferences, our families, our jobs, our resources. When we lay it all down and we say, God, not what I want, what you want. Whenever we can do that, this is how God will accept worship he's not he's not accepting sacrifices anymore i know in the old testament they used to burn up animals and and, and incense and these things that was a type of worship and all those things uh speak to worship today but the way god sees worship he says i don't want you to put an animal on the altar i want you to get on the altar i want you to put i want you to burn up anything that you want and accept what i have for your life that's what worship is about and so pray, praise is one way. So let's say um, uh, worship is the umbrella. Praise is one way that we express worship to him. Another way that we express worship is by obedience. Whenever he asks us to do something and we don't want to do it and we do it anyway, we say, God, I'm, let this act of obedience, even though I don't feel like it, or I don't think I should do it, let it be acceptable to you as worship. And guess what he does? Forgiveness is another way we worship because we're living the way that we want. Last week, living the way he wants Last so week I gave this analogy. Do we have any Cowboys fans in here? Okay. We have any uh, Patriots fans? Do you have know any Tom Brady fans? The greatest QB of all time. Just live with that. I don't even remember how many rings he has. I mean, it, I just lost count after five. <laughs> okay, you, you can stone me later. Um, I love Tom Brady, and I've loved him since high school. So whenever he was first winning, I became a fan. and I was a fan ever since. None of that bandwagon stuff, okay? Um, What happens when you go to your favorite team's game? Let's say, okay, who loves the Cowboys? Okay, be honest, or you can have the person next to you be honest. Do they lose their minds at those games? Yeah, they lose their minds. They go crazy when they score a touchdown. They say and do things that you've never seen them. And if, you're the, if, you're, if that's the husband, you're the wife, you're like, man, I wish you'd get excited whenever you saw me, right? <laughs> Whether we realize it or not, when we go to these games or <laughs> when we're just watching them on the TV, we're not even there. We are praising them. Why? Because we're expressing how how much we think about them, how great they are, how awesome that catch was, the death catch. How many of it was it was a catch? Okay, I guess it wasn't a catch. Like a lot of Cowboys fans, when you pray for Cowboys fans, I'm picking on you today. Maybe this year, maybe this year they'll be better. We express what they mean to us. So when people say, "Well, I don't, I don't, I don't care to praise God," or Whatever. Oh, I don't know. I don't praise. I worship God my own way. Let me tell you: you are praising something, and you are and you are praising someone. We will praise a team or a person. Maybe you you really you idol you think of the word you idolize a a singer or a person on Instagram or Facebook or a celebrity. You will do things for these people. You will pay some of these players' paychecks. Who guess what? Do nothing. For you, nothing. All they do is entertain you. That's it. And for some of us, it's not hard to be entertained. <laughs> they will entertain you, and you will give them things, and they'll do nothing for you. But when it co- yet, when it comes to Jesus, we won't give them one ounce of praise. I want to ask you: Has Jesus done anything for you? Has He rescued you from anything? He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. I want everyone to say amen. Amen. Say it again, amen. Amen. Okay, we have to get used to letting loose. You may have grown up in a traditional church or maybe a a, a church that's not used to, but God deserves our thanksgiving. He deserves our clap of praise. He he deserves us raising our hands. Let, Let me ask you, where do you think Praise came from. Do you think it was invented when the cowboys were born? Yes, yeah, some, some said yes. Come on up, sister. Let's lay hands around. Get the oil. Where's the jug at? Some, some of us think praise was God created praise. The reason that we praise anyone else is because once upon a time, um, the angels praised him and they are still praising him. This is where it started. He is worthy of our praise. We need to learn. The title of this series is How to Worship a King. If we're going to worship the God the way that he wants, we have to learn to praise him. Again, I said this last week. I'll probably say it until we finish the series. Did you know you can't worship God the way that you want? You cannot come to God that way you want? Well, I'll come to church when I want. Well, I'll I'll give when I want. You know, man, those kids... And they gave me a hard time. I'm just going gonna, gonna to call the office. I'll serve. I'm going to take a month off. I'll serve next month. Did you know that's not being a sacrifice? That's living life the way you want. It's praising God or worshiping God the way that you want. Right. You. If we're going to worship God and him receive it, we have to do it the way that he wants. Amen? So this is what this, this series is about. Why do we praise God? I'm just going to go through this, these three points. We praise God for who he is. Number two, we praise God for what he has done. And number three, we praise him for what he is going to do. Again, has God done anything in your life? Praise him for it. Are you expecting him? Has he spoken a promise to you? Something that from his word or maybe in prayer he has told you something? Praise him for what he's going to do. And I'll say this. You can ask God for whatever you want. Hopefully, it's, it's spirit-led, it's spirit-inspired. Hopefully, you're not just asking God for, to win the lottery, right? <laughs> I don't know. If we can't, <laughs> let me just say this. <laughs> Lord, I've got to swerve away. I'll just say, why would, he give you, why would he let you win the lottery when you can't take care of what you already have? You know why people want to win the lottery? Because they don't know how to manage what they have already. What do you think is going to happen when you win the lottery? You're going to lose it like that. That's a different sermon. That's why I kind of saw myself. Um, We praise him for what he's going to do. Uh, Going back to what I was saying, you can ask God for anything as long as at the end you say, God, however, not what I want, but what you want. As long as you're willing to say, God, this is what I want. I think this is what you want me to pray for. I believe that you're going to do this in my life. However, not how I want it to unfold, but the way that you want. When we do that, then we are continuing to live our lives as a living sacrifice. Amen. So today we're going to continue talking about praise. The title of this message is Benefits of Praise. I want us to pray really quickly and ask the Lord just to open up our hearts, open up our minds so that we can hear clearly what he wants to say. This is our vision. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us before we get into this. So if you would just bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's just ask the Holy Spirit just to come into our heart, into our minds. Whatever thoughts we've been thinking, we're going to put those to the side and we're going to ask him to illuminate our mind to put his thoughts in us. So Father, we just invite you into this place. We thank you for all of your blessings. Before we even go, just thank him, praise him for what he has done in your life. Has he healed your body? Has he taken care of your family? Jesus, thank you. We thank you. For some of us, we thought COVID was going was gonna to really take us out. Father, you have taken care of us all along the way. He can't give you more if you're not thankful for what you already have. So Jesus, we thank you for where we're at in life. It may not be what, where we expected or where we want to be. But Father, we know that you have a plan. So we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Benefits of praise, point number one is this. Praise positions us to enter into God's promises. Praise positions us to enter into God's promises. This point to me really hits home because what is one thing that we've been talking about since the beginning of the year? Promised land, thank you. I believe the Lord is leading us into a promised land season. I really, I've, the Lord has already spoken a lot to me personally about what this year is going to look like. Let me ask you this. We, gave the, and we, gave, we talked about the promised land, but we also talked about the word of the year, meaning the key for us to enter. Anybody remember what it is? Purity, Purity thank you. Purity is going to be the key for us to enter in. We're going to be talking about a story about the 12 spies, but one of the reasons the children of Israel... Uh, could not stay in the land is because they didn't obey the Lord. They weren't careful. This is an important word. They weren't careful to pay attention to what God was asking them to do. Therefore, they eventually had to leave. That, If they were careful to pay attention, they would have walked purely. They would have said, Lord, would you every day when they got up or throughout the week, Lord, Would you show me any way that I'm not living purely in my life? Is there any commandment I'm breaking? Is there any way I'm not living according to your word? Whenever we can do that, we will live purely. I really believe that if we're going to enter the promised land, we're going to have to live purely in praise. And I just want to ask you, how well have you been taking this word to your heart over the past, since we we gave the word about a month ago, a month and a a couple weeks ago, we've been talking about purity. How well have you held on to this word of purity? Meaning, as you have been living, as you've been going through each week and, and throughout the month, how much have you had that word on your mind? There's a verse, I shared this during the last service. There's a verse in the New Testament. I think it's Paul talking to Timothy and he's telling Timothy, Timothy, don't despise the prophecies. Don't despise the calling that has been placed on you. The word despise means this, to treat lightly. To say, oh, it's okay, that's, it's good, but it's not that important. To look down on, that's another good way to describe it. To despise is to look down on something. Paul is telling Timothy, don't look down on the prophecies. And I would tell you, do not despise this word. It can be very easy to think, oh, that's a good word. Oh, that's, that's good, something good to live by. And man, I'll think about it whenever, you know, whenever. This is the truth. If you are careful to pay attention to this word, and to live purely in your life this year, you will enter the promised land. Things you've been praying for over the last several weeks, months, even years, will, have, will come to pass. Conversely, if you don't take this word seriously, you won't enter it. I really believe that. I've seen the Lord already speak to me very specifically. He's already done huge things, huge things in my life because I've taken this. And I really believe He wants to do that. Praise positions us to enter into God's promises. So, there's a story in the Old Testament of the 12 spines. I kind of mentioned it when I talked about purity whenever we gave the word of the year uh, last month. But I want to talk more specifically about this story. So if you remember, the children of Israel were rescued out of Egypt by Moses. They were taken through the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness for several weeks. And then God took them up to the edge of the promised land. Once they got to the edge, uh, Moses picked 12 men. I believe there were... Um, a man from each tribe and said, hey guys, I want you to uh, come together. I want you to get your supplies and I'm going to send you into this promised land that, I'm going, that, I'm, that I promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and all of your fathers. I'm going to, I want you to go into this land and I want you to check it out and see what we're going to deal with when we come in. So these 12 spies got together and they were gone for 40 days. They went all throughout the land, checked out the cities, checked out the people, checked out the... Um, the land how good the soil was and the fruit and so they come back and they give Moses and everybody a report let's pick up um numbers 13 if you have your bible numbers 13 verse 25 i want to encourage you if you have a bible please turn there if you have your phone if you read from your phone i almost exclusively read from my cell phone or from my computer so this is a great this is a great tool for us to use is um there's different bible apps you version is a good one please turn there that way you know where the story is at Numbers 13, verse 25. We'll start here. And it says, At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. A few verses before where we're reading, it it describes the fruit that they brought back. They brought back pomegranates, They brought back figs, and it says they brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to put it on a pole, and two men had to carry that cluster, one cluster. That's how rich the land was. And so they brought this fruit back to show them, hey, this truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is an amazing place that God has promised us. Verse 27, and the spies told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Uh, this, the, the descendants of this man were giants. They were related to Goliath. And actually, later on down the line, David kills Goliath. He kills one of, one of uh, these family members. But they were, these were very, very large people, 8, 9, 10 foot tall. Verse 29. And they said, The Malachites dwell in the land of the Negeb, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So we're going to find out that ten spies come back with this very scary um, report. That yes, the land is great, look at the fruit. But these people, these people that dwell there are giants, and if we go in, they're probably going to kill us, is, what, is basically what they're communicating. Verse 30, But look what Caleb said. Caleb and Joshua were the two spies who brought a different report. So 10 brought a bad report, 2 brought a, a good report. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. He said, right now, let's not wait. Let's go in. Why? For we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him, the other spies, said, We are not able to go up against the people. Didn't you see them? You were there with us. You saw how tall they were. For they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out, it is a land that devours anyone who comes in its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim the giants, and we seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. These spies had a different report. So Caleb and Joshua had said, yes, it is, a, it is a ferocious piece of real estate. There is, there is great fruit and great um, produce and all these things, but there are great people that live there. I don't think we can do it. Caleb says, no, we can do it. Who do you think the children of Israel listen to? Some of y'all may know this story. We're going to read the consequences. Look at the next chapter, starting with verse 1. Then all the congregation, the people, the children of Israel, raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. They did not believe that they could go in. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They all said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. I don't know if you realize what they're saying. The children of Israel had been slaves for 430 years. Slaves. Not metaphorically, not figuratively, they were in chains and they were servants to another group of people for over 400 years. Although they had seen God take them out of Egypt, kill their oppressors in the Red Sea, open up this huge body of water, they walked through it. And even though they had been fed manna in the wilderness, they did not believe that God could take them in. And you know what they said? It is better for us to stay slaves. You know what they did? Instead of praising God, they actually praised the inhabitants of that land. They said, those guys are stronger than God. They thought it was better to be slaves than to trust the Lord to take them in. I don't know, guys. I think there are still some people today who say, you know what? I don't know if God is strong enough to deliver me from my anxiety, to deliver me from my fear, from my bitterness. I'm happy just staying a slave. Again, praise positions us to enter into God's promises. The children of Israel actually praised the enemy more than they praised God. And as a result, they were not able to enter in. Look at verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel, and Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they said to everybody, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You know what Joshua and Caleb said? They encouraged the people and they praised God. They say, yes, it is a great land, but these people's protection is removed from them. We're able to go in to take the land for ourselves because God has given it to us. They say, God is big enough to give it to us. If we, Don't you remember what happened with the Red Sea? To me, this is amazing. They had just seen the Red Sea part. A few weeks, months, whatever, a short amount of time, they had just seen this happen a little bit earlier and yet they were still they still not, did not believe that God could take them in. How many of us have seen God do miraculous things and yet we still can't believe He can't do some even smaller things right now? You know what praise does? Praise reminds us of what God has done. This is why it's very important because praise Praise reminds us of the truth, and the enemy takes us captive when he's able to lie to us and deceive us. How did the other spies respond? They started by complaining. They did not believe that God could give it to them. The result, I, I'm not going to read this verse, but in verse, verse 10, it says they picked up stones to stone, to stone Caleb and Joshua and Moses, and then they were going to go back. And then God intervened and said, no, it's not going to happen that way. They were not, because they could not praise God in that moment, they were not able to answer into his promises. Zach Niece, who wrote this book, this, is, this series is based on the book, How to Worship a King, he says this. He says, the number one rule in the niece household is this, never give a child something he complains about, complains for. You know what complaining says? Complaining says, "I want it my way, and I'm going to complain to get it." He says, "Well, in our household, in our ho- in our household, he, he says we, we tell them be grateful for what you have, and maybe one time you may you might get your way." And I think God has a similar rule; He will never give His people something He complains for, that we complain for. What are some things that? Right now, let's just take personal inventory. What are some things in your life that you've been saying, God, when is this going to happen? When is it, God, I've been in this situation for a year, for two years. Why am I still sick? Why is my family member still sick? Did you know God will not give us anything we complained for? He didn't give the children a of Israel the promised land. So why do you think he'll give us what we complained for? Complaining is the opposite of worship because complaining says, I want it done my way. I want it done it my way in my time. It's the opposite of praise. Therefore, it is the opposite of worship. God had to keep the, keep the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness until they stopped complaining, until they could believe that God was big enough to take them in. And once they were able to do that, they were able to go in. Because praise positions us to enter into God's promises. Listen to this. Praise communicates that God is big enough for any situation. Number two, God shows up when his people praise him. This is a simple point. I want to look at Psalm 22, verses 3 through 5. Yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. in you they trusted and were not put to shame. It says you are, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. Did you know that God sits on a chair of your praises? It says it is in, he is enthroned. You ever had this thought, God, where are you? Where are you at? There's been a few times, even this past year, at least one time where I've had that thought. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us say that every day? Or every week, God, where are you? I thought you were supposed to be good. Let me ask you up the follow-up question. How much do you, have you praised him lately? How much do you praise him? The Bible says he shows up when you praise him. So maybe he hasn't shown up because you haven't praised him. Last week, I, we had the service and just very transparently, I wasn't super excited about the sermon and by the end of the service, we had an altar call, and the Lord moved, and the Lord said, never underestimate when you talk about praise. Never underestimate what I can do. And I had to just repent, and I told y'all. I said, Lord, please forgive me. God shows up when we praise. We are able to enter in whenever we praise. So if you haven't, if you haven't felt God lately or recently, check how much you've praised him. Check how much you've thanked him. Check how much you have lifted up his name and say, you know what, God? Yes, I'm going through this. Yes, my my family member has cancer, but you're greater than cancer. Yes, this is going on in my finances. I can't catch a break with this and that, but God, you're greater than my finances. I know you will make a way. We have to learn. We have to learn to approach. The devil does not sleep. He does not sleep. He'll use everything that happens all throughout the day to make you doubt how big God is. It's critical that in those moments we we say, you know what, God, I don't like what just happened. I don't like what was said to me, but God, you're big enough to take care of the situation. I'm gonna do things your way to the best of my ability and I'm gonna trust that you're gonna come through. Praise, praise, God shows up when his people praise him. And lastly, praise is a weapon of spiritual warfare. This is my favorite point. Psalm 8 verses one through two. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He starts by telling God how big he is. You have set your glory above the heavens. Listen to this. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. It says out of the mouth of babies, you have have, um, brought forth praise that is able to destroy the enemy. I remember listening to a, a sermon by a man named John Bevere. Anybody familiar with him? Awesome teacher. He told the story of how he went to he went to a pastor's home in Venezuela, Colombia, somewhere in South America, and he said he went to this family's home and they had a little girl who was eight years old. And they would, and he and they he said that they began to talk about her that this girl would lock herself, not literally, but lock herself in her room and pray and spend time with the Lord for hours. She would come out and tell them things that were going to happen, and they would happen. Did you know God is no respecter of persons? Did you know it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, if you come to the Lord, God will receive you? I said this earlier, but do you know just because you get older doesn't mean you get wiser? Just because you get older doesn't mean you grow up. There was that story, I remember that story. I mean, still, I heard that story 17, 18 years ago, and it stuck with me because it showed shown me God does not respect people. He doesn't respect titles. He doesn't respect degrees. He doesn't respect how big a church is or how small. He's looking for people who are willing to do things his way, people who are willing to know him, willing to praise him, to worship him his way, not their way. And I, I remember there was a that 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 time in my life I just really made a decision, say, you know what, Lord? I remember I wanted to be a doctor, I wanted to be a dentist, I wanted to I wanted to go places and do things. And I remember making a decision, say, Lord, I want to know God the way that little girl does. I want to know you that way. It doesn't matter who you are if I could look at everyone in the eyes. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are. You can know God that way. You can know God that way. Praise is a weapon. We know that the Bible is our weapon. Ephesians six seventeen it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know what praise is? Praise is the word of God expressed. You are communicating back to God what he already says about himself in his word. When you praise, Satan is paralyzed. I'm going to say it again. When you praise God, Satan is paralyzed. You know why he's paralyzed? Because his weapon is to lie to you. And praise is pure truth. And therefore, when you speak the truth, you expose the lie and he is defeated. I remember one time I was laying in bed late at night. And I was getting ready to go to sleep. And honestly, I was just overwhelmed. I don't remember exactly what was going on. It's funny, now it doesn't even matter. I don't even remember it. That's how the enemy gets it. He gets us worked up about things that really don't matter. Yeah, they matter maybe in that moment, but the grand scheme of things, like they don't matter. And I remember I was laying in bed and I was just so, I've never had a panic attack, but it felt like it was leading up to that. And I was just like, Lord, I need some relief right now. And I remember at that point, I had started memorizing the word. And the few verses that I had memorized it, I began quoting them. Within a matter of seconds, the enemy left. Because you know what praise does? Praise exposes the enemy. What is the enemy's tactic? The enemy's tactic is to lie to you. We just went through COVID. Many of us lost our jobs or had pay cuts. You know what the enemy does? He comes in and says, how come you lost your job? You know that person that's in the cubicle next to you or on the, the, the table next to you or whatever... You know they don't live for the Lord? How come you had your job cut? How come you had your pay cut? How come you lost your job? Maybe God doesn't like you. Maybe, something, maybe you're doing something wrong. You know what God doesn't really care about you. And we continue to go down this road, and if we're not careful, we'll not only become bitter towards people, we'll become bitter towards God. You know what praise does? You lose your job. Pay is cut. The devil begins to whisper in your ear, hey, again, this person next to you, they don't know the Lord. And you say, you know what, God? You know what, devil? I don't know why this is happening, but I know that my God has never forsaken me. I've never gone hungry. I've always had a roof over my head. I know that all things work together for good. I know the word that if God is for me, who could be against me? Do you see how the praise combats the devil? You see how it neutralizes him? Church, if we can begin to praise, you will not struggle with some of the things that you're struggling with. This is why it's critical that we learn how to worship a king, worship the king, because it will destroy the enemy's work in our life. I was talking with somebody, I think last week, I said, I shared this earlier, but they were talking about some of the things they were going through, and I just asked them, this kind of came to me, I said, on a scale of one to ten, one being the 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 worst and and 10 being the best how much have you spent time with the lord this past week how much have you been in your word the way that you feel you're supposed to in this season of your life how much time have you have you spent praying on a scale of 1 to 10 and they said well probably like a 5 i said in school what is a 50 it's failure i'm not saying that you have to be at a seven or whatever, whatever passing is, I'm saying, what is your relationship to the word of God in prayer? I I even gave this analogy earlier. I think I said it during pre-service prayer. Yeah. It's kind of like this. I've had, I have tons of people call me, text me, Hey, I need prayer for this and this and that. It's kind of like this. Let's imagine you're sick and you have these symptoms and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, Oh yeah, I've seen that before. Um, let me, let me prescribe some medicine, some medication to you. Take, take this pill one in the morning, one at night, and then come see me next week. And let's say you only take it 50% of the time and you come back the next week and you say, doctor, man, I'm still, I'm still not feeling well. Like, is there anything else you can give me? What is he going to ask you? How much of your medication did you take? And you're gonna say, well, I don't really like it. You know, it didn't feel good as it went down. You know, it was, it was, you know, it's early in the morning. You know, I don't, I have to get ready for work. I get ready to get the, I got to get the kids ready. And, and I, you know, I didn't have time. How am I going to make that excuse? I don't have time, God. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read the word. Did you know <laughs> the word of God is your very life? It is your life. You know, if you don't drink after a few days, you're going to be in trouble. You know, if you don't spend time with the Lord after a few days, you're going to be in trouble. The word of God is our life. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is not a figure of speech. That is not figurative. That is literal. Did you know you are not just a human body with flesh, that you're a spirit that needs to be fed as well? You know, you have a soul that hungers and thirsts for things. And we're trying to fill it with all this garbage that 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 was not that we were not created to intake and consume when we praise coming back to the topic when we praise we are fighting the enemy we're fighting his lies and we get the victory but if we don't even know what the word says how can we even praise it is critical that we develop a relationship with the word of god again freedom is is truth and we only know god's truth through his word and no truth when we spend time with them. The last thing. How do you develop security in any relationship? How do you know if you can trust somebody? How do you know if, if they have your back? Because you spend time with them. You're with them enough times where you realize, hey, this person really cares about me. This person is going to keep my secrets. This person is going to pray for me. Some of us don't trust God because we don't spend time with him, and the fault is not on him. He's perfect. He's, let me just say this, you'll never regret spending time with God. I remember one time the Lord showed that to me. I was praying, and, and the Lord, and, and I was like, man, I didn't, again, I didn't have time, I didn't have this, and, the, and, I, and I prayed, and I felt better, and the Lord afterwards, he said, Josh, you will never regret spending time with me. You'll never regret picking up that Bible and reading it. You'll never regret it. He says, I I don't let you down. He said, the world will let you down. Your friends, your families will let you down. Your job, they'll let you down. I will never let you down. If we're going to learn to praise, we have to learn to get in his word. Once we get in his word and we know what it says, let us praise him and thank him. It will defeat the enemy in our lives.